change the channel. It is time for the real movie news. I'm Jim. This is Cody. And this is the news. Good news for digital me- uh, physical media collectors. Barnes & Noble has announced on July 10th that they will still be doing their biannual 50% off Criterion sale. And it'll run till August 2nd. For those of you who don't know what Criterion is, it is a DVD Blu-ray collection set of art house films, of foreign films, classic cinema, and independent cinema, and lots of films, and they get a great transfer. So if you're a cinephile, I highly recommend going on the Barnes & Noble website or your nearest Barnes & Noble if they carry these and checking out some of these titles yeah if you can find one that's open (laughs) that's also a hard part i guess too depending on where you're located uh but that is good it's good i have a lot of friends who are big on the criterion collection and always want to get them so awesome yeah i'll be picking up a few for my birthday so cool indie film first cow by director kelly reichardt becomes the first physical 2020 DVD screener sent to all of the members of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The indie film is looking to get uh, footing in a situation where so many films have been stifled by the pandemic. First Cow premiered at the Telluride 2019 Film Festival. Uh, It opened theatrically on March 6th and had a strong opening, but didn't last long due to the shutdown uh, caused by COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a unique time for film and, like, what's going to end up being qualified as a Academy Award-nominated film as so many movies are getting delayed and very few films are being released. It's going to be a unique ceremony, if there even is one. <laughs> for sure. Stephen King has an ad- collection of novellas titled if it bleeds and three of those stories have been picked up to be adapted to the screen ben stiller is set to direct and star in rat darren aronofsky is attached to direct the life of church and ryan murphy is producing with netflix mr harrigan's phone directed by john lee hancock This is the first time so many King projects have been greenlit since they picked up his collection of novellas known as Different Seasons, which featured Shawshank Redemption, which was adapted into the brilliant Frank Darabont film, The Body, which became Rob Reiner's Stand By Me, and then Apt Pupil, which was a movie with Ian McKellen and Brad Renfo, And the other story from that collection, which is called The Breathing Method, is being picked up by Blumhouse with Scott Derrickson assigned to direct, who directed Doctor Strange. It's always nice to see Stephen King's work getting put out. Everything he does is just spectacular. Um, Whether it's film or, I mean, the film adaptions are usually great too. Uh, So I'm kind of excited about this. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we have reached a... um, I don't think he ever was unpopular, but it's like we've reached a resurgence of that Stephen King fandom that was in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, well, he's so prolific. Uh, You know, the amount of work he puts out on a regular basis and just almost all of it is fantastic. So, you know, it really helps. And most of the movies, uh, you know... 
and films or short stories or whatever they end up, however they end up doing them, short films, uh, usually end up being great. Um, you know, and with the the modern need for more, you know, Netflix, etc. Everybody's putting out stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's a very competitive market. Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, which many affectionately refer to as the Snyder Cut, will be its own thing and not part of the current DC continuity, per the director, uh, in a new interview published on Monday. In the interview, Snyder talked about how DC is well known for its multiverse and feels like this cut of the film can exist in its own by the system that DC has built. I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's going to have to be outside of the DCEU because they Warner Brothers has taken a complete shift in the opposite direction mm-hmm. because they were not satisfied with the box office and critical failure of both Justice League and Batman v Superman. But, I mean, you know, apparently there is a need to see this version of the film and, you know fine let's see what it is it can't be too much worse and it <laughs> could slightly be better but i don't have high hopes that it's going to be better but it'll still be interesting and exactly like there's multiple universes elseworld mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's fine to be out there and warner brothers basically like here you go here's the snyder cut but it has nothing to do with our upcoming projects. <laughs> Welcome to the Snyderverse. Uh, you know, I mean, lots of people. There, there are people who love and hate uh, all of the Zack Snyder films. Um, but they are at least, they're generally consistent in theme and feel. Um, but yeah, they're very different than like Shazam and um, Aquaman. So, you know, who knows what we're going to see with that. If they'll let Snyder maybe even make something else going forward. Maybe depending on the popularity of the Snyder Cut. We'll see, I guess. Exactly. Uh, yeah. If it's if it's popular, they may give him something. But I <laughs> doubt they're going to give him something as high profile as Superman again. And I really feel like they need somebody to take on Superman that has a little bit more love and respect for the character. Because that's my ultimate feeling is that I don't think Zack Snyder find superman interesting or likes him sure i think i think you need someone who likes superman more than batman and i feel like so many people are batman fans nowadays and they feel like superman is this flawed uh irrelevant character um but i feel like there are plenty of people who could do a good job i think they need they need to embrace happiness a little more (laughs) it needs to not be a dark film um, especially if we're doing an origin story. If we're going to go forward, you can always kind of lead into darkness and have him be that white or that, that bright hope in the background. Um, and I think that's the key thing. Maybe it goes hand in hand with happiness, but I feel like more needs to be like hopefulness and inspiration, which is what Superman is. He's a hopeful and inspiring character. Well, yeah. And uh, if, if we get uh, a return of the actor... Um, I just drew a blank on his name. Henry Cavill. If Henry Cavill comes back, you know, as as people have been talking about, um, you know, teaming up with like Shazam, uh, and with the future Black Adam movie, um, who knows? Who knows what we're gonna see? So you know, there's there's still hope that that'll kind of turn around and change anyway, even with uh, with the DCEU the way it is, not having to reboot. So. 
I'm all for Henry Cavill coming back. I feel like he didn't get a fair shake to properly play the role yet. I agree. I've, I've you know, having seen him do other works, I enjoyed him in uh, Man from Uncle. I thought he was way more uh, Clark Kent in that film uh, than we saw in uh, in The Man of Steel. So you know, I think there's there's a chance, especially if they open up to the more optimistic and heroes, uh, you know, like hope and heroes that you would have seen classically in DC. So I think, I think that sort of route is actually a good way to go. Uh, sticking to DC news, HBO max has announced that they are planning to set a television series in the world of the upcoming film, the Batman. This series will deal with Gotham city and the Gotham police department before Batman arrives on the scene. Now, for many fans, we know there was a Fox television series also that had a similar setting, but that show got a little more ridiculous, and I hope this show is more grounded and becomes a cop drama of what I thought the Gotham series was supposed to be, but we shall see. (laughs) Yeah, um, Gotham was one of those things I had high hopes for. I thought Jim Gordon as running uh, Gotham PD and working within it, dealing with corruption, was going to be a fantastic show uh, that not only would be relevant to people, but would would be entertaining. And then we got so much Batman in a show where Batman's not even supposed to exist yet. Uh, You know, between the villains and everything else. It just... I get an occasional cameo by a character who later will become somebody, but it felt like they were pandering way too much instead of trying to stick to the to what the show should have been. Yeah, I got a little ridiculous. Like I was fine with like having Oswald Cobblepot as like an up and coming person in the um, mm-hmm. in the crime world of Gotham, but then I got confused as they kept introducing more and more potential villains and i'm like are all these villains like 20 10 to 20 years older than bruce wayne and i was also confused that harvey dent was already a district attorney at this point in the series (laughs) yeah they they kind of they they just were so busy trying to bring in names uh that people would latch on to which Fox has issues with uh, some of the sci-fi and fantasy and just not traditional dramas. And I feel like maybe they were just trying to reach towards the comic audience way too much instead of relying on the fact or understanding the fact that most comic fans would be excited for Jim Gordon having his own show, even if we hardly ever got anything close to a supervillain. This Saturday, July 25th, Sci-Fi will launch uh, the, its first documentary as the opening film for Sci-Fi Fan Fest. The film, Todd McFarland, Like Hell I Won't, focuses on the iconic creator and his cult comic Spawn. The release of the documentary intersects with Comic-Con at Home, which is set to start this weekend since Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, has been canceled. That sounds interesting, and I don't know if I'll end up checking it out, but Todd McFarlane is an interesting person. You know, he came on the scene in the 80s doing work for Marvel and then, like, was huge with Spawn, and then the movie came out, and it was kind of a so-so reception and did so-so at the box office. And then they had that incredible animated series on HBO, And then it was shortly canceled after three seasons. And he's basically, I mean, the man's a multimillionaire off of this, but 
he's spent the last 20 years trying to develop a Spawn movie, and every once in a while we hear hints that it's coming back, and we're going to do a full R-rating treatment of this property and character, and nothing ever happens. So maybe this will help relaunch interest in this or maybe spawn is just something that lives in the 90s i don't know <laughs> but i would i would like to see a proper adaptation on film even though i think the animated series was a great adaptation sure. well you know um mcfarlane basically has been groundbreaking since he got started you know he helped promote venom uh, created venom and uh promote spider-man uh you know he he then went on and helped form image comics which is, you know, was groundbreaking because it gave uh, creators the opportunity to own their own stuff. Um, basically breaking somewhat from the cycle of uh, Marvel and DC owning everything. Um, and, you know, uh, writers and artists having no power and control over characters. Um, but he's done so much, you know, between figures and made a fortune in all kinds of things. And continued to keep Spawn going for 200 plus issues. I can't remember the number. It's been a minute since I've looked, uh, but you know, he's very, <laughs> he's a very interesting character and I've, I'm probably going to check it out. I don't know if it'll be this weekend or not, but it will be on YouTube. So you won't have to watch it on, um, on sci-fi. You can watch it online as well. Um, and Comic-Con at home, there are a lot of cool options because you're going to have panels and everything else from all sorts of groups. So you can check that out on YouTube as well. Sticking with uh, comic book news. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they announced the new Batwoman for the Batwoman television series on the CW. The actress's name, I believe, is Javica Leslie. I could have said that name wrong, but this is an interesting and groundbreaking casting for a role. I'm not sure how the fan community is responding, but we shall see how the show goes. Well, you know, the fan community is... <laughs> is is filled with uh, people who have all sorts of opinions. Uh, Batwoman was not uh, recepted well by so many. Part of that is, I think, in uh, was partially due to the writing. I think a lot of people just didn't enjoy the series. Some of that is just uh, hatred for uh, the LGBT community and characters. Um, I thought uh, Rose, what was her name? Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose was a great choice. I didn't watch the show, but I was excited when she got cast because I thought she fit perfectly. Um, now, she left because she didn't like the way everything was going, etc. That's that's good for her. Uh, you know, as a career choice, she it's probably not bad. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think it's a fun move. We'll see if we get uh, if they can weave it in in a fun way that makes the story work. Uh, we'll see how people receive it. People are going to watch at least the first episode, probably, and see what happens, uh, especially if they're already in uh, the Arrowverse and all of that. But we'll see. Speaking of Warner Brothers, in Europe, Warner Brothers has created an anonymous reporting system so that cast and crew can alert senior managers if they see co-workers breaking COVID-19 safety protocols during production. After the recent filming hiatus, Warner Brothers is working hard to get films they're working on uh, in the UK, such as The Batman and Fantastic Beasts completed. They filled this reporting, uh, this reporting tool. They fill this reporting tool will encourage the use of the best practices while uh, people are on set. Yeah, I mean, I understand that um, Hollywood, Hollywood right now is desperate to try and stay afloat during all this. 
And especially these films that were in the middle of production, I understand why they're trying to get back to work. And if they can work, I understand. And I think it's good that they are monitoring to make sure they're trying to be as safe as possible. Even if some of these productions probably should still be waiting if uh, that country or city, county, wherever they're filming Mm -hmm. is still under like COVID procedures. But this is at least something positive in a negative situation going on. It it feels a little bit like snitching, but you know, hey, in this case, it's one of those things that's going to be helpful uh, in the long run. Because it's giving people a way to report it without having to seem like they are just ratting out their coworker. Because in this case, at least it's for safety and trying to get things back to normal. Right. Uh, moving ahead, Netflix has announced good news for one series and bad news for another. Uh, Pete Morgan's British television series The Crown, based on the life of Queen Elizabeth, will indeed get its sixth season as the show was originally planned Uh, The show takes two seasons of a certain time point in Queen Elizabeth's life and played by a different actress after two seasons. The first two seasons, she was played by Claire Foy. Uh, The current season that just aired and the other season four that's about to air starred Olivia Coleman. And then we will get two more seasons of The Elder Queen, which last year they announced they were only going to do five seasons. So... I'm kind of glad that this show, I haven't watched the third season yet, but I'm kind of glad that he's getting his original plan for this series. On the bad news side, if you're a fan of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it will indeed be canceled after part four airs later this year or next year. I can't remember when it's supposed to air. Well, I will say I'm always glad when they uh, get an opportunity to continue what they're envisioning for a show. Um, I haven't seen the show. It's on my list of many, many, many shows and movies that I still have to catch up on. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's one of those I haven't got to see yet, but I hear good things. Uh, As far as Sabrina goes, yeah, I mean, I just haven't got a chance to check it out. Probably not. I don't know that I'm going to. It didn't look like something I really wanted to watch. But, you know, I hear a lot of people love it, so. It's quite fun, but it is definitely a very different take from the Melissa Joan Hart series or from the comic book series that you're familiar with. But the guy who created Riverdale is in charge of this series. And it was originally supposed to be a spinoff, but when he was able to take it to Netflix, I think he took it a step further and went into the dark and over-the-topness of the material. But it's an enjoyable show. Not for everybody, but... Yeah. If you like Riverdale, I would I would recommend it. Netflix is continuing to spend money to bring talent and put out films. Most recently, they have announced Leave the World Behind, which will be headlined by Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. The film will be helmed by Sam Esmail, the creator of Mr. Robot, who will write, direct, and produce the film. But there is no timeline uh, for when they will begin shooting. This is exciting. Um, I have not completed watching Mr. Robot, but I did enjoy the first season of that show. And he also created uh, the Homecoming series on Amazon, which Julia Roberts was in the first season. And, I mean, these are two top-notch actors who haven't worked together since the Pelican Brief. So just their names together, 
I usually don't care about <laughs> what actors are working with actors, but as far as a Netflix series of these two caliber actors working together, it sounds interesting to me, whatever it's about. Yeah, it does sound exciting. Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts are fantastic in almost everything they do. Um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully it's up and started soon so we can see it. Um, but, you know, that's that's a big grab for Netflix. Recently, actress Vivica A. Fox was interviewed about the possibility of a Kill Bill Volume 3 film happening. Of course, Quentin Tarantino has famously said if he ever made a third film, it would be about Vivica A. Fox's character's daughter, who I'm going to spoil a nearly 20-year-old movie here, but when Uma Thurman's character, The Bride, reject, uh, gets revenge on the people that left her for dead and killed everyone at her wedding, Vivica A. Fox being one of those, she murders Vivica A. Fox in front of the eyes of her daughter. So, supposedly, if there was a third film, this would be what it's about. And Vivica A. Fox said that she thinks Zendaya should play her daughter. Well, that's interesting and would be cool, I do not think this movie will ever happen because, famously, Tarantino says he's only making one more movie and retiring, which probably also won't happen, but he may not make movies anymore. He'll probably go to, like, television or something like that. But he's also famous for making ideas and projects of spinoffs and sequels for some of his most famous characters. Well, I know he was talking about making Star Trek, and is, I think that may be the one he wants to make next. I don't know if it'll happen, uh, but... I don't think that's going to happen either, unless he just... I know he's a fan, and I know he wouldn't like make it too Tarantino-esque, sure. other than it might be more violent than a typical Star Trek film. But I, if he's sticking his guns to ten movies and ten movies all, I don't think he's going to go out on a Star Trek movie. Well, he also wanted to get uh, the Kelvin universe, basically the Chris Pine uh, cast uh, that was recently doing Star Trek films. And last I heard, they were having trouble getting them back together for another film. So it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Speaking of uh, films related to other films, uh, Brett Haley has been tapped to direct a prequel to the fan favorite musical film Grease. The title of the film will be Summer Lovin'. The script was written by Leah McKendrick. Uh, this will be Brett Haley's first major studio film, though he previously has done work in the Indian streaming service circuit. Uh, personally, I'm excited, I guess, a little bit. I, I, I'm apprehensive, I guess, too, though, because I love Grease. It's a fantastic film. Grease 2, I never watched because everybody said it was garbage. Uh, but if they're actually going to take time, put some money into it, and put a good movie together... I would be interested to see how a prequel would shake out. I mean, on a personal note, I could care less about this project, and I usually don't like a prequel idea. This doesn't sound interesting to me, but you know, I could be proven wrong, and this could be a really interesting and cool project. So we shall see. In uh, recent news, John Hamm was announced that he would lead and star in a Fletch reboot of the famous Chevy Chase franchise. Um, I like this casting. 
I don't know if this project will work. I mean, they have been trying to reboot this franchise for nearly 20 years now. I know that Jason Lee and Kevin Smith were heavily involved for a long time. But if this does actually happen, I think John Hamm is a good choice because he's one of those actors who can be serious and comedic very well. And I think he would be charming enough to play the role. I just, I just, I don't think it'll happen. And, but we shall see. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you pretty much on this. I think uh, John Hamm is a spectacular actor who has range. Uh, I think, um, you know, he's a good choice, but I really don't see it happening. It's uh, just, it's another pipe dream. We see those every day and constantly. It's something to talk about while the, while uh, we're during the pandemic where there's not a films getting put out. It's an idea that probably would be tossed around for a while and then disappear as normal, uh, I think. But it's getting a little more play probably because of the fact that there's not much going on in the news. Now, it could work as a TV series on Netflix, Hulu, something like that, maybe. Sure. But I don't, I don't see this becoming a feature film. And I also feel like Everyone really likes John Hamm, but he's not as big of a movie star as he probably should be. And I don't know if that's just because he hasn't been in the right projects post-Mad Men. Mm-hmm. That may be true. Uh, but yeah, I, I think a lot of shows could, a lot of movie ideas could easily transition to TV. But yeah, I think I think transitioning to TV would be a good option. We see a lot of that um, going on anyway. Uh, look at Watchmen and some other projects where they're they're trying to do TV versions or, or TV spinoffs. But yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of cool options with that, especially with Netflix and then HBO doing a lot of great uh, mini series or full shows, you know, with the 10 episode uh, being the norm. Now, I think that leads to a lot of cool options too, with everything last week, along with the launch of the new Peacock network, a flagship streaming service for NBC universal, Psych 2, Lassie Come Home, was released on the new streaming platform. The new film, based on the popular 2000s show, will be only available for streaming on the Peacock. Yeah, this is another new streaming service trying to get in the streaming game. Though there's very few platforms you can stream this on. I did check it out on my Xbox. They do have stuff available to watch without paying to have a subscription. But some stuff you have to have a subscription to watch. Um, there's some interesting things on there, though I find it disconcerting that a lot of the movies they have available, they're already planning to expire. Mm. And uh, I don't know if it's a streaming service worth buying when you have so many other streaming services that have a lot of content. Look, but that, we'll see we'll see how it goes. Well, that kind of makes me think of Apple TV like they'll let you watch some stuff without uh, paying. Uh, a lot of times that's the first episode and they get you hooked and then you're like, well, I kind of want to watch it. Uh, but I don't know it's this is kind of what I've feared for a long time and I'm sure we'll do a feature on this at some point. Uh, but the whole concept of everybody doing their own streaming service just makes us all go back to basically paying for TV the way we used to um as a you know we everybody used to pay 50 to 100 bucks a year on uh direct tv or some cable company or whatever and then they went oh we'll we'll cut the cable and we'll just stream netflix and then hulu and then disney and then 
everything else and CBS and now everybody's adding it and making it where you pretty much have to go to these streaming networks uh, to watch any extra content. So uh, I feel like we're, we're just a few steps away from everybody getting mad at it or it becoming back to normal where everybody spends a couple hundred bucks a month on TV. It's basically going to boil down to what you want. And the only difference than cable is you're going to have more of a choice of what you're watching. Sure. But you're also going to have people who bounce from service to service because they only want to watch one thing. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to have Disney while Mandalorian's going on, and then I'm going to cancel. All right, I'm going to keep uh, Apple TV while the morning show's on, but then once it's done, I'm going to cancel. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Let's see. Either that or everybody will continue to share and add on more. <laughs> right, right. Of course, that's probably what ultimately happens is people are going to be like, okay, I'll pay for Netflix. Yeah. You pay for Disney and Hulu, and so and so's got us on Amazon. Right, you know? right. Everyone's gonna pick and choose what service, <laughs> and everyone's sharing. Yeah. Well, the big movie that was supposed to save the summer blockbuster season and cinema tenant has been delayed indefinitely, with no future release date in sight. And they also revealed the running time would be 2 hours and 29 minutes, which is about standard for most of Christopher Nolan's movies. From the beginning, you know, with the whole, I don't want to delay, I don't want to delay, we knew it was inevitable unless things changed. Uh, it's such a big budget movie, it's not going to be one of those that gets a direct to, to Netflix, I mean, sorry, direct to a streaming service or buy on demand sort of uh, uh, film uh, because they want the theater revenue. This movie probably costs way more than most, and it does have that inherent um, Christopher Nolan, big screen is better. I don't know. I figured it was inevitable at this point that we just weren't going to see it for a while. Yeah, I have been saying this for a long time, and as you know, cases are getting worse, especially in California, where most of the North America movie theater money is. Mm -hmm. We knew this was going to happen, and... Look, I get Christopher Nolan. He likes IMAX. He's a big supporter of experiencing a film in the theater. That's totally fine. I agree with that. But, yeah, this movie's going to have to be delayed if that's how you want it presented. And if it's next year, it's next year. And I know Warner Brothers, you know, wants to make their money back. And they think this is the movie that's going to make their money back. But if they really want to make their money back, then yes, you're going to have to wait till you can get that amount of people to go see this movie. Because it's just not feasibly possible at this moment. I don't suspect we see this before summer 2021. So, um, Partially uh, due to things like Tenet not being in theaters due to the coronavirus, Disney reissue, Disney's reissue of Beauty and the Beast, the live-action one, led all films at the box office with an estimated $467,000 at 527 locations. It was followed by a close second by uh, uh, to Marvel's Iron Man with 430000 at 462 sites. Yeah, uh, Disney and Steven Spielberg are making a killing right now with the drive-ins because when I've looked at drive-ins, what they're playing, they are playing like mostly older Disney films and older films either Spielberg directed or produced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, there's the 
they know what people like to watch. These are movies that are fan favorites that did really well at the box office. If you're going to go to the theaters to watch a movie that you missed or whatever, or that you've seen before, you're probably not going to go out and watch, um, you know, uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. Uh, you're going to want to go see something that had a, hu- a, a good production quality that we've you, you either enjoy or didn't get to see at the theaters at the time, and something you would probably buy or own already. These are the big-budget films that people really like, and so if you're going to risk it to go out during a pandemic, you know, it better be a good movie. Anyway. Yeah. As Corona and COVID keep changing the world we live in, Telluride Film Festival, which usually is the launch, it's not the big launch, but it's like the sidestep into awards season in Colorado, usually around September, has announced that it is canceled for 2020. That's rough for films and uh, people trying to get their films out. Uh, there's a lot of that going on, sadly, and, uh, you know, as we expect with this pandemic, so... Speaking of uh, shutdowns, the regional government of Barcelona is ordering people to stay home unless absolutely necessary. Uh, This is causing Barcelona theaters to close for a second time since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Owners are unsure if they'll be able to survive the second round of closings after COVID-19 cases spiked in the Spanish region this past weekend. Uh, That's really sad, and you know, we are also facing that. I just recently heard that AMC... Uh, came up with some deal to secure their finances up until next year to keep their business afloat. But I know other theater chains, especially independent theater chains, are really suffering right now. And I mean, I understand, but I mean, you got to look at health and safety first. And, you know, it's a shame and it'll be interesting how uh, the movie industry, where it goes from here when... um, in a post-COVID world. Yeah, very much so. Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island production company, newest film Palm Springs, released on Hulu on July 10th, and it set a record for the biggest opening weekend of film has ever seen on Hulu. And it's quite interesting because these guys' other two films, uh, Pop Star and Hot Rod, and the director, I think, also directed McGruber, all those movies flopped at the box office but have a huge cult following. So it's kind of interesting that this movie's doing really well on streaming because I suspect it would not have done this well had we lived in a non-COVID world and it was released in theaters. Because, it, one, it wouldn't. I think it's an independent film, so it wouldn't have as wide access. So I don't know if the wider access is helping this or word of mouth from critics or that it's just right there for people to watch and they just have to have a Hulu subscription. So it's less ease on them to make a commitment to watch it. But that's pretty exciting for these guys. Yeah. I I think there's probably something uh, with that uh, being because of the fact that everybody's at home and, you know, streaming and whatnot. I think a lot of it might also have to do uh, with Sandberg's um, being on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the increased popularity of that, especially with the moving, uh, when they moved to NBC and it getting more of, I think, a, a more general public audience. 
Um, I think more people are becoming familiar with him and becoming uh, at least fans to an extent. I, I, I like him and I enjoy Brooklyn Nine-Nine and some of the other stuff. I, I'm not his biggest fan and I've been tentative to watch this and I plan to. But, uh, you know, I'm the more good news I hear about it, the more I'm excited to see it. So I really enjoyed it. I can't tell you anything because it'll ruin <laughs> the movie for you. So if you've that. not seen a trailer, don't watch a trailer for this movie. That's always the best way for me. <laughs> and I will just say that I think this movie hits people more now in a COVID world than it would in a non-COVID world. But that's all I'm going to say. I appreciate that. Peninsula scored big in the overseas market this weekend, reporting $20.82 million in five Asian markets. It was the clear number one film in Taiwan, Vietnam, Korea, Malaysia, and Singapore. The numbers are staggering compared to anything recent in the international box office in the international box office which hasn't seen these kind of numbers in quite a while um even in mid-march i think they only had like a 30 million dollar uh box office for up for as many as five films so it's been a minute since they've had success at the box office over there yeah that's that's quite interesting and as you say you know we're living in a different world right now so it's kind of interesting how things are shaping up even in the entertainment industry yeah uh a couple of animated series have been announced um disney plus announced that based off the last season of the clone wars season they are making a spin-off series based on the bad batch crew of clones that were introduced in the last season this will be uh pretty interesting i'm excited about it i enjoyed the clone wars i think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the bad batch um, outside of just interacting with the clones and uh, and uh, a couple of Jedi. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't know if they can handle their own series or, or even how it'll feel. Uh, is it going to be more interacting like normal with like the Clone Wars style thing, just mission to mission? Or are they going to kind of do something else? I don't know. Um, but, you know, at least one voice actor is going to have work. <laughs> right. Um I've been saying this from the beginning when Disney announced, was it been, um, well, what, Force Awakens came out five years ago? Yeah, something like that. So they bought this around 2012, I think, is when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Yeah. I have been saying from the get-go, if Disney wants to continue this Star Wars as a viable franchise, I think they do really need to branch out and expand this universe and explore facets of um, Star Wars we haven't seen yet. And there's so much material. And I think TV is the future for this uh, franchise. And it could not be great, but it could be interesting. Um we all know that The Mandalorian proved to be a huge success, at least its first season. So, I mean, I'm just glad that they're exploring something besides Jedi and Skywalkers. Because <laughs> I think this franchise has so much material they can work with. Well, yeah, and I think um, that's a major thing they need to look into is trying to branch out. I know right now, uh, I know they just announced that Kathleen Kennedy is stepping down. And there's a lot of other things going on, which is good. I, I'm not a fan of Kathleen Kennedy and what she's done with the universe in many ways. But they have done a lot to try to keep pushing product out, The Mandalorian, etc., etc. Um, I think 
like most people, they need to look backward in the Star Wars universe because they've got so much material from uh, before Disney bought it where they had the expanded universe with uh, lots of stuff going on pre uh, the the Empire era and uh, the Clone Wars and all that going way back, you know, back when Yoda was young and stuff, you know, the uh, Old Republic, etc. Um, there are so many options and so many things they can play with. It would be nice to see them expand on that. Um, and again, like you said, with TV, there's so many options. They can do series featuring one person or featuring entire organizations or groups. Uh, and they don't have to hire Mark Hamill and uh, the rest of them to try to make a film. You know, it'd be great. Yesterday, China began their theater reopenings. And with that, box offices performed very well uh, with results of over half a million dollars on day one. Uh, China's movie theaters have been shut down since January due to the pandemic outbreak. The estimated loss for the Chinese box office is expected to be somewhere around $4 billion in 2020. Last week, authorities gave the green light for theaters to open in low-risk areas outside of Beijing and the surrounding areas. Well, it's nice to see that somewhere in the world that uh, they're starting to get back to normal. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we will see that at some point in our future. I'm not sure when. <laughs> I hope sooner than later. Yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy for everybody. It looks like a lot of the Asian companies are o- countries are opening back up and doing well uh, and are doing a good job of uh, keeping people healthy and uh, not spreading the COVID-19. Um, and I know I heard Australia has done a great job as well, or New Zealand. I think it was Australia. Um, well, New Zealand's done an excellent yeah, job because they pretty much contain that as soon as possible and have had hardly any cases at all right um i know a lot of areas are doing really well united states isn't doing the best obviously in this um but you know i mean all we can do is try and see what happens and hopefully things don't get worse uh you know i know as more testing occurs we're going to see more positives the hope is we can scale down those numbers as well as especially the deaths we've been seeing so it'd be great to be able to get back to work for uh for all the people in the industry this is maybe the most exciting news i've heard in the last couple of weeks and i hope it happens netflix has announced that they are planning to do an animated series based off the comic book character usagi yojimbo now if that sounds like some weird foreign word to you let me explain who this character is He is a rabbit samurai. You probably, if you know him, you would know him from his uh, cameo appearances on several incarnations of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon series. But he also has a very long and detailed comic book series of his own that is very fun and very interesting. And this will probably be the best way to adapt this material as I've wanted an adaptation of this for as long as i can remember and you know if i can't get my uh samurai puppet movie the way they did the ninja turtle films back in the 90s i will take an animated series of this character i am probably as about a big ninja turtle fan as there is uh and I have also had a fascination for Usagi Ojimbo since I was a child. Uh, Stan Sakai is a fantastic creator for this series. He's been working on it forever. 
uh, since also like Ninja Turtles, the 1984, it came out. Um, it's several times in comics and in uh, a couple in the cartoons and whatnot. We've seen crossovers, but the character's fantastic and stands alone very well. Uh, it's good because we, <laughs> the United States especially, could use a little more uh, understanding of uh, some of these Asian culture products. And I think this one is such a lighthearted, fun, at times, uh, comic. And I think seeing it as an animated series would be a great way to get people interested in it. And it does have those tropes that uh, people in the United States are familiar with. Uh, samurai, Ronin, etc. Uh, and, you know, everybody loves anthropomorphic characters. I mean, basically, the samurai story is our Western story. Mm-hmm. They're they're similar tropes is so much that several of our most beloved westerns have copied tropes from the samurai yeah magnificent series. seven for instance magnificent seven uh, a fistful of dollars mm-hmm. yeah. which is the same film that usagi ojimbo gets his name from so <laughs> yeah um I, I i'm excited for it i really hope it's done well you know there's always a question of that with uh with animated series you never know which way it's going to go is it going to go i don't know who's produced uh, who did they say who's producing it or anything i don't i don't remember okay. i just remember just being so excited when i saw that news blurb as long as it's not something a la steven universe or thundercats roar um and they actually take it seriously i will be over the moon um i i, I don't mind a little camp and a little silly but you've got to take the character seriously and i think sometimes we failed to do that with some of our cartoons. So hopefully it's marketed towards people who grew up with it while trying to bring in a new audience at the same time. So, um, Do you have any more news? Because I'm done. I have one news story left. Okay. With uh, the announcement that they were making a live-action version of Avatar The Last Airbender, Avatar The Last Airbender debuted on Netflix... In May, and has been one of the most popular streamed shows on it since it debuted. And now they have announced that the spinoff series, Legend of Korra, will be available to stream in August. So, I'm excited about this because I've never fully watched either show all the way through. I'm currently watching Avatar as my Saturday morning cartoon when I get up on Saturday mornings (laughs) and going through it episode to episode and i'm kind of excited that the other series is on there and also those creators did a netflix series called dragon prince so if you're a fan of this franchise this is pretty cool yeah i'm excited i'm, I'm a big fan of being able to watch all of something a lot of times before i get into it and knowing that i can now watch the legend of Korra afterwards on netflix will help me uh get into uh the last airbender i've uh I've watched some of it off and on, but I haven't actually spent a lot of time delving into it. I think it's a cute show. My wife enjoys it. Um, and it's one of those I do need to watch. So uh, now that all of that's going to be available, I'm probably way more likely to watch it. So I know some people are that way too. So hopefully uh, people go out and watch it and it encourages them to actually make a good film about it. Uh, while I didn't hate the original, most fans do. So... <laughs> Yes, it's not a very good movie, but the creators of the animated series are working on this live-action version of the series. So that'll be good. So that's hopeful. And, yeah, it's a fun series, and I'm excited to get more invested in it. Yeah. And 
Interesting enough, Dave Filoni worked on The Last Airbender, who is now famous for doing the Clone Wars and Rebels series and now Mandalorian. Well, um, I guess that's it for the news, isn't it? Uh, That's all I got for now. All right, guys. uh, Appreciate y'all checking in on us, listening to our podcast. Um, Don't have much else for you. We pretty much just wove in the uh, box office stuff straight into the news this time Uh, because, you know, our American box office is still kind of messed up we don't have anything special besides that um so uh with that i guess that's all for us uh thank you for listening cody you have anything else uh nope just be on the lookout for our podcast i believe we're on spotify now right um i think so i think we're on spotify uh i know we're on uh itunes i think we're on almost all of them if you're listening uh and you're listening through some other one because you couldn't find it on another one let us know and uh, we'll try to make sure it's on every platform. Also, check us out, like we, I mean, you know, on all the social media. And feel free to comment and message us and let us know what you're thinking or if you have any ideas or things you'd like to hear about. Till next time, that's our show. See you later. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us at Real Movie News on Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to shoot us an email with some recommendation on stuff to talk about, you can reach us at realmovienewschannel at gmail.com. If you'd like to keep up with me or any of my other things I'm doing on social media, you can find my podcast at Video Store VJ1 on Twitter and at Video Store Rejects on Facebook. And if you'd like to keep up with me personally, you can find me at FilmNerd85 on Twitter and Letterboxd, and you can find me at Cody's Film Page on Facebook. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, Jim, uh, you can get me at uh, Passive Creative on Facebook and Twitter or uh, as Passive Creator on Instagram. Also, if you're interested in other movie podcasts I do, I'm on Movie of the Week podcast, which you can find on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as get wherever you get your podcasts.